Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Welcome back to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. I am coming at you remotely today. I am in the North Carolina mountains, came up here with a handful of people um, to do a little bit of a leadership um, getaway, and we are enjoying ourselves in the cool mountain air. It's been really nice, to be honest with you, and um, <laughs> I'm in a rustic cabin. I'm, I'm literally looking around right now. I wish I could, I, I could give you the image of what I'm seeing, but I bet this thing was built in the early 1900s, and it looks like, I mean, you're your little house on the prairie kind of log cabin and um low ceilings which is great makes me feel tall since i'm five eight and uh, nothing like a low ceiling to stroke your ego a little bit if you're a short man and uh but the doors are just massive and um the stairwell in the cabin is narrow it's uh stone fireplace whoever built it uh did an amazing job and i just realized i mean probably for well over 100 years have been people in this house this used to be somebody's home and uh probably babies raised here and babies made here and um you know it's just a, it's wild we're up on a big tall hillside and um now this has turned into a little bit of a bed and breakfast uh interestingly as i was um getting ready to do the podcast i knew i needed some uh, liquid energy so i'd gone over to the main area where everybody's staying and uh they were doing breakfast and i grabbed a cup of coffee and was walking back over here and um the way this cabin is made the the steps aren't exactly well let's just say they're not exactly up to code um they're rickety and then there's a stone threshold stepping from the porch into the cabin and um well the front end of my toe caught the stone threshold as I was opening the door, balancing three pieces of sausage on a plate and a cup of coffee in the hand. And, um, I did a header fell face forward into the cabin. The coffee hits the floor, splashes up, uh, directly as I am falling on the floor, this coffee splashes up, it goes over my head and lands on my back. And so, um, it was a quite an interesting morning. So I have coffee, um, smell all over me. I have a sticky back and yet here I am pressing through to bring you today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. I tell you, those are first world problems. If the worst thing that happens to me today is spilling my coffee in an um, aerodynamic kind of um, uh, gymnastical kind of uh, thing, obviously I didn't drink the coffee because I can't talk, but <laughs> um, if that's the worst thing that happens to me, I'm doing pretty good today. Um, I do want to talk to you about something that's been burning on my heart. You know, my wife Amy and I, we talk regularly as we are pouring into um, a, a small group, maybe somewhere between 25 and 40, 20-somethings. Um, we we meet with them at our house once a month, and then we're pouring into them, you know, text and emails and things like that. But um, one of the things that we've seen as we've gotten a little older is that there there's clear clearly a distinction between my generation, Gen X, and uh, young millennials or Gen Z. And um, we love young millennials and Gen Z. We love what the Lord is doing among them. But we're also seeing there's some things that if, if they don't learn, um, then their, their walk with God 
is not going to be all that God has um, has provided for them and is offering to them. And I think one of the one of the dynamics that has caught my attention over the last probably seven or eight years has been what I call the overcorrection against the religious spirit. When you talk about a religious spirit, you're, it, it can mean a lot of things, but it's typically um, associated with things like religious guilt, religious control, performance mentality, trying to earn something from God by what you do. And obviously that's unbiblical and I'm 100% against it. And because that became so predominant in the church, it was attached also to things like legalism, like, you know, you thou shalt not and, and just stuff that's not biblical. We're not talking about biblical prohibitions. We're talking about standards and traditions and um, you know, just denominational norms and people in power and positions of power in the church that enforce or try to control people by that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Uh, I got saved out of that. I, I did a stint in fundamentalist legalism, and um, God set me free from that a few handful of years after I was saved. And so obviously I'm against it. I preached against it. I've, I've taken my beatings because I broke ranks with that kind of that kind of version of Christianity. But now what I'm seeing many years later is that there's a, there's a severe overcorrection. What do I mean by that? Well, I think in a protest against legalism, a protest against the religious spirit, a protest against empty, mindless traditions and standards and rules and all these things that really don't have anything to do with the gospel, there's now a bit of an indulgent spirit hitting the church. Um, where people are flaunting their liberties, where they're proud of their, um, I don't know, bucking the system, uh, where they literally don't believe that there are really any moral standards or codes that Christians need to embrace and to live out. And so it's a bit of a kind of in-your-face, don't-tell-me-what-to-do spirit that I've seen uh, especially among millennials, not as much in Gen Z, but uh, definitely in millennials. Um, it's, it's that they take these liberties and they take them to extremes. And so they're not guarding their minds. They're not guarding their bodies. They're not guarding their hearts. And it's kind of a overcorrection. It's a strong pushback against the religious spirit. And it says, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so things that are debatable, sometimes things that are controversial, things that Christians don't always agree on, there is a spirit moving in a lot of young young millennials and maybe a little bit into the Gen Z where they're, they're actually daring somebody to say something against what they do in their Christian freedom. And then if somebody does say to the extent of, hey, maybe maybe don't post about your drinking on Instagram. Maybe that's not wise. Maybe, maybe you're allowed to have a drink. Maybe that's, it's not an issue of um, having an alcoholic drink being sinful, but what you're posting is um, glorifying it in a way where nobody knows what happened after the picture. And you're kind of promoting yourself in a way that, that leaves the question, Hey, is this person actually getting drunk? Not having a glass of wine or a beer, but is this person actually getting drunk? And of course, I've actually raised that question to a couple of uh, young people over the last three or four years, and I got severe pushback. And um, 
what they fail to re- realize is I never said you can't have a beer or a glass of wine. What I'm saying is why are you posting that in such a way that it appears to everybody that's an important part of your life? Um, social media has really, um, you know, when Jesus said 2,000 years ago that we're going to give an account for every idle word that is spoken, obviously that's before um, the advent of social media. But people were known by what they brought forth from their mouths. I think that there is a layer that we should consider that um, in our generation, um, it's not just what we say with our mouths. It's what we promote with our Instagram, our Snapchat, our TikTok, our Facebook, our Twitter. Um, all of that stuff is a reflection of what's important to us. And so the, the, the word I want to give you today is the word consecration. Consecration. What does it mean to live a consecrated life? Because um, that's biblical. It's actually an expectation on Jesus' followers. And the people of God have always been called to live consecrated lives. Now, that's kind of a churchy word. It's a little religious sounding, so I don't want to take it for granted. Everybody understands what it means to be consecrated. You also hear the word sanctified. And immediately there's a certain type of personality that says, nah, don't talk to me about that because that's religious talk. Now, hold on a second. Um, it, it may be misused by religious people, but it's actually Bible talk. <laughs> so it, it's not religious talk if it's kept in the context of where the Bible presents it. And again, the Bible is the standard by which we, we judge our own lives. It's the standard by which we live our lives. And it is the guardrails that we are supposed to live in between is what does the word of the, the Lord say? So the word consecrate is, is simply a word that means to be regarded as holy, to be regarded as sacred. Um, it's, it's to understand what is beyond common. And the word consecrate, when it's used in the Bible, gives the notation as something being special, set apart, pure, or clean. Um, it's funny, the, the, the usage of the word in the New Testament, if I'm not mistaken, is only found really in one place. The principle is there. In other words, are used to describe consecration, but the word consecrate um, in the New Testament is only found in John 17. When Jesus is praying to the Father, he's praying to the Father, And verses um, 18 and 19 is where Jesus is actually praying to the Father concerning the consecration of those that believe in him. And this is what he says. He says says to the Father, this is Jesus praying to the Father in that famous prayer in John 17. In verse 17, he says, sanctify them. Set them apart, Father. He's talking about us sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus prayed for all of his followers. He prayed to the Father. Father, sanctify them, set them apart, make them distinct according to truth. And then he says, and your word is truth. So that's why I said earlier, the Bible is the parameters by which we are to govern our lives. The truth sets us apart in a functional way, in a practical way under the Lord. And so he he says, he goes on to say in verse number 18, as you, Father, sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And then verse 19 is the word consecrate. He says, and for their sake, I consecrate myself. 
that they also may be sanctified in truth. Now watch that. Jesus says to the Father, I have consecrate, I am, this is before the cross, I am consecrating myself, Jesus says. I'm setting myself apart to you, Father. I'm giving myself fully to you, Father. I'm going to lay down my life for your glory, Father. Why? So that they also, that's us, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus says, I consecrate myself so that my followers will be sanctified in truth. And it's, it's really, the, it's a similar meaning. Jesus, in the fullest way, consecrates himself. And then he says to the Father, I'm doing this so that those who follow me will be set apart in the same way I'm setting myself apart. Now, guys, that's not religion. That's Jesus Christ. That's the Son of God. That's your Savior. That's the one who lived, died, rose, ascended, and is coming back for you. And he said, Father, here's what I want. I want my people to be consecrated. I want my people to be set apart. Now, the question is set apart from what? Consecrated from what unto what? Well, the unto is clear. Our lives are to be intentionally led by ourselves as consecrated. And remember the definition again, holy, sacred, beyond common, special, pure, clean. Think about that. This is what the, the, the scriptures say that our lives are to be unto the Lord. So, I would say to myself, Jeff, is your life holy? How you're living on this Tuesday, is your life holy? Is your life sacred? Jeff, is your life clearly beyond what is common or average or normal when it comes to what you're living for? Jeff, is your life especially consecrated, set apart intentionally, especially unto God? Is your life pure? Is your life clean? So immediately when we see this concept, we're not talking about legalism. Guys, that's not legalism. This is the expectation of God for my life. And by the way, if you're saved, for your life. And so this is where I'm trying to, um, you know, I'm praying and seeking the Lord in my relationships with all people. But I'm thinking specifically of young men and young women right now. I'm, I'm saying to myself, how do we convey to them that their life is to be intentionally consecrated, not by their pastor, not by some spiritual authority in their life, but they are to consecrate. They are to say, my life is special because it is marked with the blood of Jesus. My life is not common. My, my purpose is special. It is holy. It is sacred. It is, it is something significant because of Jesus Christ in me. Therefore, I'm going to live as I am identified. If I am identified by God as being set apart for Christ then I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live in a sacred way. I'm going to live beyond the common, beyond what unbelievers or non-believers or non-Christians live. And my life, because it is marked by the blood of Jesus, is special. It's not normal. It's not earthly. And therefore, I want to live pure and clean. So let me just ask you, are you doing that? That's the whole point. Listen, I'm not being vague here. The whole point is, hey, do you think like that about your life? And if so, is it reflected? Is it reflected by what you're putting out there publicly? You say, well, Jeff, I don't care what people think about me. Well, that's an illegal move in the kingdom because you're a reflection of Jesus. You better care what people think about you. There's a big difference between uh, caring what people think about you versus being controlled 
by what people think about you. I don't want to be controlled by what people think about me, but my life is not my own. Uh, I'm saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, I'm bought with a price. I belong to Jesus. My life is for his glory, and so is yours. All of that's true for anybody that's in Christ. And so you have to care what the people think about you. It is an immature, carnal thing to say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. No, go ahead and say, I don't, I'm not going to be controlled by other people's opinions of me. But because my life is a reflection of Jesus Christ, I should care what people say. Therefore, I should care that my life reflects to others a holy, uncommon, special, sacred, pure, clean life. Um, let me give you some Old Testament stuff, just to, so you know the heart of God on this thing. In the book of Leviticus, which is, man, that's not my favorite book in the Bible to read. It's still the word of God, and I don't want to obviously disparage it, but Leviticus is a tough one to read. But if you'll read through it, you're going to find some things about the revelation of God's holy character. And he says in Leviticus 11:44, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Do you follow that simple teaching? God says, hey, you're my people. Therefore, I want you to consecrate yourself. Don't pray for me to do it. Don't wait on me to do it. You, my child, consecrate yourself. Why? Because I want you to be like I am and I am holy. Pretty straightforward. Um, then you've got God speaking in a day where uh, the Israelites were going in to claim the promised land. So not only just in identity of being a child of God, but in your purpose to go and claim the land of blessing, the inheritance that you have in Christ, you have to be consecrated to walk in the victory of the territory that God's given you. And it says in Joshua 3, 5, Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Are you following the pattern that God says to the people of Israel in Leviticus, consecrate yourself. Um, then Joshua hears from the Lord and his message as the leader of Israel is consecrate yourself. Again, set yourself apart. Be clean. Be holy. G get the sin out of your life. Quit being mingled in things that don't have anything to do with God. Why? Because tomorrow God wants to do wonders among you. Now, listen to me. We, there's a lot of talk about signs, wonders and miracles and power. And uh, there, there's way more talk about it than there is actuality of it. I'm, frankly, I'm, I'm just a little weary of it, man. I'm, I'm, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, Lord, I'm tired of talking about, you know, breakthrough and signs and wonders, miracles, healings, all that stuff. I want to see it. And I hear the Lord just over and over again saying, well, Jeff, keep consecrating yourself. Keep consecrating yourself. Why? Because God doesn't entrust full power, breakthrough, ministry. He doesn't entrust that to compromised people. Can I be bold right here? Young people, especially if you're young and you're listening, you, you want breakthrough, you want, you want influence, you want you want to do something great for God, but your life, you can't figure out who you are between Saturday night and Sunday morning. And some of you, listen, I'm just going to be bold. Some of y'all sleeping around. You're actually sleeping with people and wonder why God's not blessing that relationship. Duh. He can't. God can't bless a sinful relationship. You know why? Because that would make him a celestial hypocrite. And God's not going to make himself a hypocrite. So when, when, when you're acting independently of the Lord in your relationships, you're on your own. He's not going to bless that. And those things die. The wages of sin is death. So if there's sin in a relationship, that relationship is killed. But if you'll consecrate yourself and you'll wait on the one that the Lord has for you and you'll press into God and you'll start, you know, just living a life that is sanctified and holy. Yes, actual activity, behavior. 
and that that you know your your life is to project to everybody i belong to jesus that's not religious that that's that's 100% devotion i mean good night alive you know i'm a married man so i've got a beautiful wife we've been married uh, since 1997 and um I couldn't imagine what it would be like if Amy or I saw the other hanging around and flirting with other people. You know, I, I would look at her and say, hey, you're my wife. My, my wife would never do that, but just theoretically um, or hypothetically, that if, if I saw Amy flirting, hanging on, on some dude or hanging out, you know, spending casual time with some other man, I would say, now, hold on a second. We belong to each other. I don't know who that dude is, but you belong to me and I belong to you. She would do the same thing. She wouldn't tolerate it for a second. Um, I can honestly tell you, I have never flirted with another woman since Amy and I got engaged. Never. And, and the reason why is because I'm consecrated under her. She belongs to me. I belong to her. Now, if you'll take that same mindset and you'll recognize that God feels the same way about his people, we are the bride of Christ. Why would we flirt with the world? Why would we post stuff on online and social media that is clearly the activity of the world when we belong to Jesus? That's what it means to consecrate yourselves. It means you change the way you think about how you're living because your constant awareness is that you, are, you belong to the groom. You belong to Jesus Christ. And then that verse in Joshua is pretty intense. It says, it, it, as, as they consecrated themselves, they could walk in the promise that the next day God was going to do wonders among them. And so many young people, they want to do something great for God, and they wonder, where's the power? Where's the joy? Where's the breakthrough? Where's my platform? Where's the open door? And the Lord's saying, your open door for influence in the kingdom is on the other side of you getting serious about your consecration. All right, go a little further. I'm glad y'all y'all made it this far because some of y'all probably don't uh, resonate with this, but I'm telling you, it's the truth. And it's for you. It's not taking something away from you. It's actually giving something to you. It's connecting you to what the Lord says. First uh, Chronicles 15, 12. Here you go again. This is not like a, some subtle theme in Scripture. It's very overt. First Chronicles 15, 12. Consecrate yourselves, you and your brothers, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place that I have prepared for it. The ark of the Lord in the Old Testament was the very presence of Yahweh. Um, and the people were wanting to bring the ark, the presence of God, um, into Israel. And the Lord says, yeah, before you even think about hosting my presence, you better consecrate yourself. You better consecrate yourself, you and your brother. So in other words, it's, it's not just between you as an individual and God. It's for all of the people of God. We're accountable to each other, you and your brothers, you and your sisters, to consecrate ourselves. And so, yeah, you're supposed to challenge me about living consecrated because I'm your brother. And we want the presence of God, don't we? So challenge me, just like I'm doing to you right now. I'm saying, hey, brothers, hey, sisters consecrate yourselves. The church is getting weak. The church is getting anemic. The church is getting carnal. The reason why there's very little power in most churches on Sunday morning is because Friday and Saturday night, the people of God have been out consecrating themselves under the world. And then they think they're going to come in and experience the presence of power of God on Sundays or in ministries outside of Sunday. Listen, you got to walk in consecration if you want to walk in power. There is no instant road to power and breakthrough apart from putting on the shoes of consecration. 
And then, of course, I already read the verses in John 17 where Jesus says, just like I consecrated myself. <laughs> Guys, listen, think about this. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, when he was on earth, had to intentionally consecrate himself to do the will of the Father, how much more do you think you have to? How much more do I, uh, should I know that I have to? So the, the life of power, the life of breakthrough, the life of influence, the life of fruitfulness, the, the life that brings God glory cannot occur if you're divided. It just can't occur. You know, Oswald Chambers, have y'all ever gotten that daily devotional? It's, it's famous. It's been around for a long, long time. It's called My, uh, My Utmost for His Highest. And um, it's an incredible devotional book. It's a devotion today, 365 of them in one volume. And you ought to get it because Oswald Chambers was a thinker. He was a holy man and he loved God. And um, this is what he says about sanctification and consecration. Just listen to this, okay? This is Oswald Chambers. He said, in the process of sanctification, the spirit of God will strip me down until there's nothing left but myself. And that is the place of death. Am I willing to be myself and nothing more? Am I willing to have no friends, no father, no brother, and no self-interest simply to be ready for death? That is the condition required for sanctification. He goes on. He says, no wonder Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword in Matthew 10, 34. Oswald Chambers says, this is where the battle comes and where so many of us falter. We refuse to be identified with the death of Jesus Christ on this point. We say, but this is so strict. Surely he does not require that of me. Our Lord is strict and he does require that of us. End quote. It's pretty intense, guys. Nobody's preaching this anymore. Nobody. When was the last time you heard somebody say, um, our Lord is strict and he does require consecration from us. Nobody's saying that anymore because they want to fill their churches with people. And they are. They're filling the churches with people. And the crowd is um, about, as it's been said, four miles wide and a quarter inch deep. There's no depth. There's no holiness. There's no really um, abiding power. We're just going to get in our Sunday hits or our Tuesday hits or our uh, Wednesday hits. And now what we've got to recognize is that, no, the Lord doesn't want you hitting the pipe of, of Christianity. He wants you breathing in constantly the atmosphere of what it means to be a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. And so as I'm wrapping up, I'm, I don't know if you guys can hear the noise outside of me, but the cabin is, is starting to be surrounded by people doing their daily activities. So I'm going to wrap up. But let me give you this. This is the word of the Lord for some of you. Listen, I'm, here's my guess. 80% of you that are listening to this will not receive it. But 20% of you will. 20% of you are feeling the Holy Spirit calling you to a deeper level of consecration, calling you to stand out among your peer group, calling you not to look around you and test the wind and see what everybody else is doing. Some of you are being called to break off unhealthy sexual relationships. Some of you are being called to step away from social media. Some of you are being called to never have another alcoholic drink. 
Now, I'm not a teetotaler. I don't drink because of my background, but my, you know, I was a slave to alcohol, so I don't drink, but I don't go around pounding a pulpit saying you can't have a drink or the blessing of God won't be on you. But some of you have a Nazarite calling on your life, and that's a higher level of consecration. And the Lord is saying what is okay for other people will never be okay for you because I'm asking you to consecrate yourself at a level that is higher than the average Christian life. And so whether it be a refusal to pipe in entertainment that, you know, produces things that Jesus Christ actually died to atone for guys, can, can I just get, can I just get real with you? If, if, if you want the power of God and you want the anointing of God, but you're constantly filling your head with entertainment that, that has sex and nudity and violence and F-bombs and taking the Lord's name in vain. Jesus died so all of that stuff might be atoned for. And we're getting entertained by it. And then we're presuming to walk in a life of power and anointing. Come on, guys. Jesus actually cares about that. And again, I quote Oswald Chambers, but this is so strict. Surely he does not require that of me. And Oswald Chambers said, our Lord is strict and he does require that of us. So the Lord expects you and me to be consecrated. He expects you and me to consecrate ourselves. He expects you and me to take ownership of our own testimonies and to step out of the world and to step into the fullness. And I promise you, those of you that will do it, you're doing it in an act of devotion, not an act of fear. You're doing it because you want to press into Jesus. And there's certain things you can't take on with you. When you press into Jesus, there's stuff you got to drop. There's stuff that just can't go. You stand before him with nothing else. You can't bring unhealthy relationships, sinful relationships. You can't bring an attachment to the world. You can't bring a thirst for money, a thirst for image, a thirst for fame. You can't bring that with you and be consecrated unto the Lord. So I just say, my brothers, my sisters, in the name of Jesus, make up your mind about which one you want more. Do you want a deeply devoted, empowered, enriched, broken and spilled out God glorifying life that brings much fame to the name of Jesus? Or do you want to dabble in Jesus and then go pursue the things of the world? And I'm not even going to tell you which one to do. I'm just telling you, make up your mind about which one you want to do. And then either be cold or be hot, but don't be lukewarm. Press in. All right, guys, my time is up today. I'm coming to you from a little cabin in North Carolina where I fell on my face and spilled coffee down my back, and I feel good and just happy that Jesus loves me and my sticky back full of coffee. Um, I want to encourage you. Um, download the Transforming Truth app. The Mavericks and Misfits podcast is now on the Transforming Truth app. Um, that app is free. It also has video sermons. It's got all my social media. It's got, um, I still do the old fashioned writing of a blog about once a month and there's a fresh blog post that's up there. Um, also can consider going by the transforming truth website. Listen, um, I don't say much about it, but I wrote a book called figuring it out as I go. Um, it is my journey from being an abandoned child to entering a world of drugs and alcohol and overt sin as a teenager and being ridiculously, audaciously saved at the age of 24, and then later being rescued from legalism and fundamentalism and dead religion to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of stuff in there that will help you on your own journey. So if you're interested, you can go to transformingtruth.org 
and get a copy of my book, Figuring It Out As I Go. Or you can just go to Amazon.com or wherever you buy books. It's also on Audible.com if you prefer to listen to books. But it's called Figuring It Out As I Go. When you buy a book, um, you're helping the ministry here. And so we'd encourage you to consider doing that. Keep tuning into Tan- uh, excuse me. <laughs> Keep tuning into Mavericks and Misfits. Uh, rate and review this podcast. If you listen to it on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to it, would you do me a favor? Literally take, um, you know, 30 seconds, rate and review it. It gives us a bigger digital pr- footprint. Um, you know, Charisma Podcast Network is who produces this, or at least who disseminates it. And we've seen a large increase, uh, thousands of people listening um, every month. And so I, I just want to encourage you. I believe what God's giving me to release is helping people. And if you think it's helping you, it'll probably help somebody else. So help us get the word out. All right. Peace out. We will. Nobody says that anymore. I just said peace out. Uh, see you later. Talk to you later. Goodbye. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.